1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 866 of Locked On Raptors for Friday. Yeah, what the hell? I always get the day mixed, mixed up. I think I'm right today. Friday, January the 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at LockedOnRaptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out all of the wonderful stuff on the lockdown Podcast Network, including lockdown Raptors. of course. You've got also lockdown Leafs breaking down the Maple Leafs opening, season opening win against the Canadiens on Wednesday, and a million other things covering all of the big sports. If you are a fan of, say, the Buffalo Bills, I know there's lots of those people around these parties. Parts two, go and listen to Locked On Bills as they get you geared up for their playoff game on Saturday night against the Baltimore. Ravens, a game that I'm sure we'll hear Jack Armstrong uh, like double screening as he's broadcasting the game against the Hornets on Saturday night. Uh, spoke with Jack this week on the radio, and he is very, very distressed that he has to uh, watch the Raptors while his beloved Bills are playing their most important game in about three decades. Anyway, uh, on today's show, we're going to dive into the Raptors' win against those aforementioned Hornets last night 111 uh, 108 at home, quote unquote, in Tampa breaking a bit of a losing skid where they lost a couple of very, very heartbreaking coin flip games. And this time around, they kind of looked worse than they did in those losses, but they end up with a win, which I think is kind of karma coming back around. And joining me to talk about our big takeaways from the game to dive into uh, maybe why the defense kind of stinks so bad right now and also take a couple of your mailbag questions. It is our favorite Katie Heindel. Katie, how are you?
2: Hey, man. I'm all right. Um, when you said that about the bills, I was, I did think of Jack right away. So I'm glad that you actually ended up talking to him and he is, he admitted to being depressed to have to work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the Raptors game will be over before like the second half of the bills game, most likely. so. So I'm happy for him there. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, you know, it's been a trying year for him anyway. He's a season ticket holder. He's like an insane everyday attend the game Bills fan. Hasn't been able to do that this year when they've been as good as they've been since the early 90s. And now he has to watch this Raptors team at three and eight play the freaking Hornets, well, his bills are, are, are trying to go to the AFC Championship anyway. Go listen to the Locked On NFL shows covering those teams if you are interested in that. We're going to pivot away from football into your <laughs> Toronto Raptors. The now 3-8 and eight Raptors after a win against the Hornets that got real hairy near the end. They scored just 12 points in the fourth quarter. Only Pascal Siakam and Chris Boucher contribute scoring efforts in the fourth quarter against uh, the very, very annoying Charlotte zone. Uh, but they still pull it out and end up with a one eleven one oh eight victory. And uh, I don't know, Katie, what was your biggest takeaway from this one, having taken it in?
2: Uh, I don't want to harsh anybody's buzz. Oh, good Charlotte pun. Um, but <laughs> I think they just ended up getting more shots off than Charlotte. I don't think mm-hmm. that, as you mentioned, like uh, the defense. The defense is troubling because I know a lot of teams are having problems with their defense right now, but the Raptors have made it such an explicit point to hammer again and again in scrums that like they're going to be this defensive juggernaut, and they were not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was a couple of times, especially in the fourth, when Charlotte really, like, really made a run at it and seemed like they they were very determined to win. And I didn't like, you know, when like a team kind of turns that on and the Raptors didn't really look that way and ready Mm -hmm. to match it, especially the last sequence, like there was about three opportunities where they could take in the game from Toronto. Mm -hmm. And it was just basically, you know, what happened to Toronto in the past couple of games, which is the ball didn't bounce Charlotte's way. So like, we'll take it. Obviously we will take it. A win is a win. I'm sure like those guys would say that at the end of the day, but, um, Yeah, I don't know. Boucher looked great. That's my takeaway. Boucher, star of the game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I want to get into Boucher. We have a question about Boucher in the mailbag section, so I'll probably save my feelings on him for later. But yeah, he was awesome. He is uh, gone from being a weird little oddity who is fun and does cool blocks to kind of being an essential part of the team, who I Mm. would imagine is going to start the next time the Raptors play, considering he uh, stole Aaron Baines's job for the second half against Charlotte. I think my big takeaway from the game is that, you know, obviously the ending leaves a very bitter taste in your mouth, but my big takeaway is that the first half was really, really impressive, and I thought in particular mm-hmm. we're seeing the offense kind of come along, and it's all kind of through Pascal Siakam, and I feel like last night was a really good example of Siakam kind of helping the team perform well without forcing it too much. And in particular, I mean, they were running a lot of post-ups for him. A couple times he would try to go in and he would get too far, the point in no overturn basically, and he would kind of get stonewalled and lose the ball. But for the most part, he was recognizing that the Hornets were throwing like three dudes his way on that side of the floor whenever he was posting up. And instead of forcing it like he would in the past, typically, I'm thinking back to the playoffs in particular, where it didn't seem to matter how little success he was having. He was posting up Jalen Brown, goddammit, and he was going to do it no matter what. In last night's game, and I think in the second half against the Blazers as well, we saw him just be like, okay, well, if you're going to send three guys to my side of the floor, I'm going to kick it to Fred Van Vliet, and then we're going to swing it around, and then on the far side of the floor, someone's attacking a defense or has a wide-open shot against a defense that is completely compromised because they've been trying to sell it to stop me, and the result, especially in the first half before the zone kicked in, was a really healthy-looking half-court offense where, yeah, they took a lot of threes, but they were wide-open looks, they were getting a lot of action going to the basket, and I think Pascal's kind of meager stat line of 15-7-4 was almost by design because he wasn't really pressing the issue too much and was kind of trusting the rest of the guys to execute a pretty sound offense, and I was rather impressed, Katie. I I thought it was pretty cool to see that he wasn't sort of going into the jaws of the defense willingly and having it stripped away or having it blocked. Um, Did you come away feeling similarly happy about Siakam's night where he only scores 15 points on 15 shot attempts? But uh, for the most part, I thought he kind of shepherded along the offense in a really kind of mature and developed way.
2: Yeah, I like that his also personal fouls are way down. yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, that's a bonus. Uh, and I don't know. He's still like, he had seven rebounds. I feel like that's yeah. like a pretty important, like second only really to Boucher, I think. So I don't mind. Like that's the kind of thing when when Pascal wasn't scoring, but then he also wasn't adding anything else to the yeah. game and like wasn't really showing up where the team needed him clearly, especially when you don't like when Baines isn't really doing the job that he's supposed to do. <laughs> um, then you really feel it. And then it's like he doesn't really help. He doesn't help create any kind of energy on the floor either way. So I did like it. I like that he's like getting. It seems like he's finding his stride, right? Yeah. A little yeah. bit more, which which is like very nice to see. And he's not getting um, as frustrated. It seems like you know when yeah. things don't necessarily go his way, which is good and uh, a good sign of maturity, I think.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's also worth noting that in the last five games, the Raptors have the number one offense in the NBA, which I didn't expect. Yeah, our our friend no. Assad Alvi uh, posted that last night. Um, they're at like one hundred nineteen point one. Off- yeah, me too. I'm stunned. They have like a twenty seventh defense in that time, which we'll get to in the second segment because I don't know what the hell's going on there. But um, you know, barring the the twelve point slog that was the fourth quarter if you kind of erase that from your mind they've basically played good offensive quarters for the most part entirely over the last couple of weeks here i mean you had the the kings game as well where they were absolutely on fire the kings have like the worst defense in the league by a pretty significant margin so maybe you take a grain of salt there but you know the warriors have Good defenders. They scored pretty liberally on them. The Blazers, bad defense, but they kind of took it to them as well. The Suns have a very good defense, and that wasn't uh, a terrible problem trying to score on them. You know, it came down to the late game execution, which obviously has been faulty, and I've gone over this week the very bad crunch time numbers, but... Things are coming around a little bit. I don't think they're going to stay the number one offense in the league (laughs) over a more prolonged stretch, but if they can be something like league average and kind of regained the defensive identity that I think they still have within them somewhere, then you're looking at kind of the similar format of winning that they kind of came across last year, just with a little bit less depth and some more uncertainty from the back end of the roster guys. Um, But I, uh, I, I think, again, to reiterate my biggest takeaway... Yes, the fourth quarter stunk, and they need to do something to figure out the zone and the crunch time offense, but for the most part, things continue to trend in a pretty positive direction. Overall, um, at least on the offensive end. We'll get to the defensive end in just a second, Katie, because uh, it, it's weird, maybe <laughs> to be expected, but I don't think the drop-off is, is explainable like from second to 20, second, whatever the, whatever they are right now, just by the losses of Gasol and Abaka. So we'll get to that in one sec, but first I want to tell everybody about our friends over at BetOnline.ag, the best place right now to throw your money down when you want to win a little money along with your sports. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus and uh, you're going to get for how that works is you know you put 100 bucks in you're going to get 50 extra dollars added to your account to throw down on a whole bunch of stuff it could be the NFL playoff games coming up this weekend, you could bet in line with Jack Armstrong's heart if you want, put some money down on the bills if you like Uh, you've got the futures of the NHL the season just started, it's crazy, it's fun The, the North Division in Canada is wild, throw some money down on those games as well to add a little bit more juice, don't sit on the sidelines anymore, get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sports book experts
0: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, Katie, we'll dive into the defense in two seconds. But just a reminder that we will be uh, talking about the weekend next Monday night. We'll have a game against the, the Mavericks. We might save the Monday podcast for then, barring something incredibly interesting in the Hornets game on Saturday. But uh, you know, we, we'll keep you covered all next week, and then I'm probably going to dive into some uh, pretty deranged trade machine stuff in the next couple of weeks, too, so you have that to look forward to. Uh, anyway, let's carry on here, Katie. Uh, the defense, not good, 22nd in the league right now, as I uh, pointed out there, pointed out by our friend Assad. they are 27th in the league over the last five games, and they just kind of don't seem to have the sauce they had last year, despite playing <laughs> A very similar style where they're extremely scrambly and they're flying out to the corners and they're contesting shots like madmen. even though they're kind of allowing a lot of shots in the parts of the floor you don't want to give them up. And it seems to be kind of catching up to them a little bit. (sighs) Like, I know losing Marc Gasol and his communication and his smarts at the back end and his rim protection is significant, but I don't know if it explains this much of a drastic drop-off. My question to you, Katie, is... I, like, do you think maybe we've kind of seen the limits of the Nick Nurse play like maniacs, 48 minutes a game defense? And would you maybe like to see them kind of rein it in a little bit, even though their whole defensive identity last year was kind of born out of that very intense and kind of unique style in the league?
2: Um, I mean, I think there's some things to be said for Nick Nurse, like needs to try something new, perhaps. Like we've talked about this before. I mean, I think first it was just like with the harping on players, I didn't really, you know, like that didn't seem to be working in the same way where where I say harping on, I mean like calling guys out. Um, So there's like a couple of tactical things that it's just like, you know, if there's, if, if it isn't working, I get pushing for a little bit, but you also maybe just have guys now, I know it's just, we're just less two players, but those were kind of the defensive everything ran through those two guys (laughs) you know what i mean so it's like i think i think it is fair to say like no we shouldn't be we shouldn't be shocked like no the numbers shouldn't be this much there shouldn't be this much disparity between last season and this season but also when you look at just like the scheme kind of running through those guys and now those guys are gone and you're asking two new guys to come in and and like even if they're not that complicated um there's obviously something to be said for like Hopefully. I mean if Baines can't like catch the ball, hopefully he can run defensive scheme at some point this season, you know, and catch up in that way. But when mm-hmm. I kind of look at the numbers, I'm more interested in a lot of the like second chance like opportunities that they're missing. Like Toronto's still, like they've been hanging around here for like I think since the season started, but they're 27th in team total rebounds per game. Yeah. Like yeah. things like that where you look at that and you're like, uh like who's last? the Clippers, but like they're also getting shots off. So it's like, that's not yeah. their game. Isn't supposed to be like, you know, focused on that. And you yeah. have like re- really big teams, like hanging around the top five, like physically large teams. So like that doesn't bode well for the Raptors either who aren't really a physically large and intimidating team and are mm-hmm. going to get bullied around if they kind of, if they don't get something like this under control. I mean, I don't know if it's cause it's like Boucher just physically can't get up against like larger defenders, like against the glass. He's trying his best. Um, but like Bane should be doing that, honestly. Like size-wise, so <laughs> he can do it. So I, I don't know. Um, but I guess the defensive thing, like I, my thing is always like, oh, it creates like offensive energy. But like now if the offensive energy <laughs> is there <laughs> and the defensive energy isn't, like I would almost be more comfortable if they were like, you know what, scrap what we said <laughs> at the beginning of the season. We're not going to be a defensive juggernaut. We're actually going to focus on our offense. Like That's a total Mm -hmm. 180 for the team, but like maybe just focus on one thing. I don't know. But I don't think Nurse is comfortable with that because he is a very defensively minded coach in his mind.
1: Yeah. The man is horny for defense. There's no two ways about it. Uh Yeah. But you make a good (laughs) point
2: because it's like when that's all you want, but you don't actually have the components to make that happen. What do you do?
1: Yeah, that's the thing is like the Raptors defense is like kind of always on this like balance beam uh and th- they're always kind of one like faulty piece of armor away from it kind of falling all apart because it does require a lot of defensive IQ it requires a lot of you know being on a stringing knowing exactly where everybody else is rotating and obviously losing Gasol there's going to be an adjustment period and I would expect it would get a lot better as they get more accustomed to whoever's at the back line but I think the real value of Gasol in particular is that he didn't really partake in the whole fly around the floor like a maniac thing. Mm-hmm. He was very much just like, all right, you guys do your thing. You challenge all the shooters. You funnel stuff towards me, and then I will uh, demolish these poor fools as they come to the rim because like they can't score over me. And I think not having that is pretty significant. And I wonder if maybe that's part of the reason why we could see a move to Boucher in the starting five. You know, he's Mm -hmm. not the backstop sort of verticality god that Mark Gasol is, and he's oftentimes, I think, far better used in the Pascal Siakam defensive role where he can kind of fly out towards the corners. But, you know, I wonder even if maybe... Because of that, because of the skill set he has, maybe you throw OG at center in that situation, have him fly around less, have the really long, rangy, three-point shot-blocking ass Siagam-Boucher tandem flying out to the corners, and then OG at center, he's actually shown some nice rim protection chops. He is sturdy. He is strong. He can go vertical and not get overpowered by guys who are looking for contact, and maybe that's a way to kind of solidify the back line, because I think like the perimeter stuff is still good even if Kyle's maybe lost a step in terms of his ability to stay in front of guys you know you have Fred who's as good at navigating screens and staying in front of people as anyone in the world you've got Siakam you've got Boucher you know maybe there's something to the idea of kind of reorganizing around the best skill sets of these guys and OG you know he can do it all on defense for sure but I wonder if maybe as sort of a last line of defense there's something to mine there or you go and trade for a center who's good I don't know yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Like, that's kind of it, right? Like, that's sort of how it splits two ways. Because I will say, like, what was more troubling in the fourth is, like, the way Charlotte was planted, like, in the half court. Like, they were just swinging the ball around and the Raptors were just chasing them. Like, they didn't even have to move. You know what I mean? They were Mm -hmm. just, like... Pass it to you, pass it to you, pass it to you. Like they had, they were just like seamless. And that reminded me of like very bright moments that the Raptors used to have. And I missed it um, Mm -hmm. because I love watching that kind of ball movement. And it always works well for the team that's doing it. And it tires the Raptors out. And so, like, to your point of like, you know, the MO cannot be let's run these guys around like maniacs, especially if you're chasing, Mm -hmm. because it's not sustainable. Like they look really out of gas, you know, by the end of the fourth and like, you know no like the the hornets are not really slouches this season like they've been doing very well so it's not so i'm not saying like oh you know compare them to like a lakers team that's going to make you do this i don't yeah. think like there's that much of a difference in energy in that sense but um like you can't <laughs> you can't play defense that way for four quarters <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I don't want to say they're playing like uh, Jason Kidd's defense from the Bucks days because mm-hmm. that was like blatantly like we're going to send two guys to the ball at all times and then we're forced to scramble everywhere with maybe guys who aren't cut out to do it. Like it's a lot more, I think, controlled and well thought out. It's just, you know, if you're not executing it perfectly and you don't have the exact personnel to do it, you're kind mm-hmm. of are opening yourself up to being, uh, you know, diced up a little bit. So I- I'm curious to see if we'll see some adjustments. I mean, we've seen... Nick Nurse adjusts plenty already this season. I don't think he's afraid to change things up. And if it gets to the point where the defense is not climbing, he's going to, um, you know, change something up or scream at himself perhaps through the media, uh, to 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 figure the shit out like he would for a player. Um, <laughs> that's certainly a possibility as well. Um, defense talk. All right, uh, we're <laughs> a pair of regular too much hoopses over here, Katie. Uh, we're gonna continue on. In just a second, take a few of your mailbag questions, but first I want to remind you about Locked On Bets, which is a wonderful podcast you should check out if you are hanging out with our friends over at betonline.ag. Your boy Q of Locked On Raiders and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports coming to you every day with a short, bite-sized episode where they are giving you all of their best bets for the night. And they are not just reserving it for football or basketball. They got hockey uh, talk on there as well. They'll have baseball when baseball comes around, too. Lee Sterling is a wizard and is winning people tons of money over on Locked On Bets, so go and subscribe today.
0: Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: All right, Katie, uh, let's finish up here and take a couple of mailbag questions from the lovely listeners out there. Uh, First one, let's get to it from our friend, uh, Freddie Revis, podcast episode, mailbag episode guest last week, and he's back to his uh, his old haunt of giving us good mailbag questions. He asks, is there a way to get OG more involved in the offense when it gets bogged down in the fourth quarter? It's an interesting question. Uh, very interesting. apt after the Raptors scored 12 points in the fourth quarter against the zone last night.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you
1: have any thoughts there, Katie?
2: Mm, I mean, they were messing around with him more like in the bubble of like a stretch four, five, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. He could handle it, and I think this would be a good opportunity to try and experiment with him back in those positions. I mean, maybe they're – I think Nick's trying to focus on him getting involved in other ways. Mm-hmm. But if the defense is lacking, like, I don't know. Why not sub him in there? He's very smart. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's super mm-hmm. – he does have the length. He's very cool-headed, so he's not going to, like, needlessly just become a swanning guys. Mm-hmm. I would just worry about him getting kind of knocked around, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't want him getting chopped too badly, especially with his contacts flying out all the time. Man, OG's optometrist is just like loving to watch the game.
1: Yeah, there's got to be an active Rubbing their hands together like,
2: yes, we've got another order of disposables coming in. Um, Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'd like to see it. Some short answer, yes. I'm Hmm. sure there's some way they can fit OG in.
1: Yeah. My answer to this is uh, play him at center. Like, have him screen. Uh He's a really good player on the short roll. He can finish a dunk. He can finish a layup. He can turn it into a post-up if need be. And he can also make pretty decent reads and and fine shooters out of the middle of the floor, too. And they've kind of had a lot of their success this season when he's doing that. Mm -hmm. So do that more often, and I think you will find more success with OG and more sort of involvement for him in those moments. Uh, Also, just a note on the way the fourth quarter went last night. They were very clearly spooked by the zone. I don't know why they were so spooked by it, considering they love to run zones so much, you'd figured they'd know the counters to it. But (laughs) um, yeah, like maybe run some sort of action of some kind too. It's like
2: when you look in the (laughs) mirror and you're like, Momentarily shocked by your own face. Yeah. Yeah. It was aged in the pandemic. Oh, who is this ghost looking back at me? (laughs) Something like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, you know, I'm not one of these people who's saying Matt Thomas is like, uh, some sort of savior on the bench, but, uh, against a zone, he could be that. So maybe give him two minutes to try to bust that zone. I don't know. That's just a thought. Uh, we got another question. (laughs) (laughs) got another question that came in here from uh who do we got who we got we got uh our friend old soul smith had a question i can't find it oh here it is it's about chris boucher our boy uh he asks okay my computer's going crazy here it is what if boucher is actually just a top 25 player i know i know but like what if it's not an illusion theory craft please let's just take a moment and think about what that would mean for the team let's dissect this so Yeah, Chris Boucher so far this season is number two in PER. He's number two in wins above replacement player, uh, or sorry, win shares per 48 minutes. He's number one among all reserves in wins above replacement player. Uh, He's been ridiculous and super fun to watch, has been like the beacon of hope for this season, even in games that have been kind of dire. He's doing something fun at some point, blocking a three, blocking nine shots, whatever it might be, throwing down a cool dunk um, or hitting a. All of the threes in the world he's at 47 and percent right now he's obviously not this player that's i think a lot to put on a guy who's 28 years old and, and you know i think expecting too too much more development is a little bit unfair for him but katie what if chris boucher is just what he is right now what if he is a 20 point a guy 20 point a night guy who shoots 40 percent from three blocks threes is a change anything about how you view the team, the future of the team, the the course they should be on uh, as the season winds down to an end here or it gets heated up and then uh, like, we're not even It feels like we've been in in it for two months. It's been three weeks. Um, but, you know, th- does a top 25 player, Chris Boucher, change how you feel about the, uh, the station of the team? Let's just have fun with it for now.
2: Mm, like, n- I mean, no, it doesn't change things in a negative way because I think, as you said, he is like, sort of the nice glimmering hope he has <laughs> been like a a very good storyline this year to follow it's been nice to see that he's getting more minutes and also not just like as you said before um expected to kind of come in and just like do a dunk you know like he's he has a more meaningful role in in the rotation and I think he's like taken to that responsibility really well uh, as most players do honestly I think when like given those minutes like he's not Want to squander them I don't think any other Raptors really are I think that is kind of baked into the team's like frame of mind you know
1: except for old Bainsey of course
2: yeah well he's new <laughs> um <laughs> yeah I guess I will say that for the more like long-standing players it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense especially Boucher coming up from the 905 um but yeah I don't know I don't I think there is like a certain obsession obviously with like ceiling right and like yeah. what like, what else could this player be? Like, what else are they going to become? And, like, with – I think that makes sense with, like, rookies, guys on their third – or, like, guys in their third, fourth years, you know, who do – you do see another gear, whether that's because they've, like, shifted into a, a different, like, coaching environment, another team. They're surrounded by different types of players. They get to exercise, like, a different part of their game. Or they just, like, work on their game. Serge so Ibaka mm-hmm. did that. You know, like, players do do that. But I think Boucher, like, I do always forget that he is his age. I think of him as a younger player, but I think that's just because of his trajectory into the league, Mm -hmm. Um, like, into the NBA and into meaningful minutes there. So I think, like, to sort of check ourselves and be like, you know what? If he is how he is, like, that's fine. I love a Chris Boucher, whether he's coming off the bench or starting, scoring, you know, 20 to 25 points a night, 10 rebounds, two assists, like, his blocks could be better but i think that's also depending on where he is being used could his blocks yours. be better he's
1: like first in the league in blocks or something like that
2: is he he's insane. So okay so yeah, no, he's i ridiculous. guess his blocks can't be better <laughs> yeah. so you know that's it's like him and miles turner yeah i even just like fell um guilty of the thing i was accusing other people of which is like to not just sometimes be satisfied with the thing that's in front of you. i think we we mm-hmm. want all these like stories of like one, you want it because he's on your team. So you want it to be like, we have this like secret weapon that's still developing, but we still do have like a secret weapon. And if he has developed up to this degree, that's very good. This is like not yeah. like a regular player, you know, like he does. Yeah. There are very special qualities to him. And I think, yeah, if he is like a top 20, 25 player. I think we should feel happy about that. Is this a trick question? It just seems very.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think like the top 25 thing is like kind of hyperbolic, right? It's like, is this guy like the best player or the second best player on the team? No. And that's fine. I I think what he's done so far this year, if he can, can kind of maintain this, and I posted last night, like, I think if he. Like Every single game, I feel a little bit more confident that it's not smoke and mirrors and that it's just going to stay and he's going to be this guy all year. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take probably 10 more games for me to fully buy in and ex- and not expect the wheels to fall off at some point here because it is... I mean, the three-point shooting in particular is like wildly unsustainable. But for now, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. And even if he does drop off a bit with three-point shooting, he's very clearly confident. He's happy to put them up and... The player he is right now is more or less replacing the value you lost in Serge Ibaka on the floor. Obviously, you miss all the other Serge Ibaka wonderfulness, but in terms of the minutes that that he's playing, he's soaking up those Ibaka minutes and that Ibaka role, and that kind of is enormous for a team that at one point was getting zero minutes of good center play, and now they're getting like 25 to 30 from Boucher. If you can you know, fill the gap and find the rest of those center minutes and maybe allow Boucher to not have to bang with huge centers who are twice his thickness at all times, then yeah. I think you're you're probably you're cooking with something right there. But for now, like what he's doing very much is filling in that Ibaka role. And that is enormous on a team that has a little very little margin for error. At at one point seemed like they had just four good players. I think now you can safely say they have five good players and then sometimes norm. And so I um I, I'm whatever Boucher is. He has found money at this point. He is absolute gravy, and it's just an absolute delight to watch. And I'm so happy he's he's kind of found it. I, I, I you know I, less just over a year ago, I was talking about how I didn't think he was an NBA player, and I'm so glad to have been so drastically wrong. And he should probably start against the Hornets on Saturday, and probably going forward, it'll kill his surefire six man of the year campaign that it's brewing right now, but. Uh, I think it will help the team quite a bit to just sort of not artificially suppress his minutes by keeping him on the bench for the first six minutes. Just get him in there as soon as you can have him do crazy fun stuff, put up like all time good per 36 numbers, maybe play in the full 36 <laughs> and see what he can do with that. It's pretty fun. Uh, I'm enjoying the Chris Boucher experience quite a bit. Katie, I enjoyed the Katie Heidel experience quite a bit today. Thank you so much for joining the show. That's going to do it for us today. Do you have anything that you would like to promote?
2: Um, uh- yeah, I would like to promote just because I do need questions. For, you know, I was gonna say <laughs> freaks and folks, like mixed in one freaks and my folks. <laughs> on anyway, um, I do would I would like some more questions for my NBA advice column on dime uh called not bad advice. So please email me your basketball questions, your like basketball slash like life affiliated questions to Fields at gmail.com um that's what i'll promote
1: awesome uh go read that it's great also listen to our other podcast uh basketball we had a new episode yesterday it was really fun and we're doing a mailbag episode for our patreon uh, subscribers Sean's in dream. the next week or two yeah everybody's dream frankly katie i mean if you've heard a locked on raptors mailbag with you and i yeah but you know no how wild that can get
2: mail more
1: than you (laughs) hey look i'm a daily podcast host sometimes mail is a bit of a secret i'm not not to like spoil the how the sausage is made here but sometimes i ask for mail because it's difficult to come up with content for daily episodes oh i know that's that's where the reliance comes in
2: very thrilled by it so i do of course Uh,
1: people want to like ask me what i think about a thing Lovely. Love it. Uh, and so, yeah, if you are interested in a, a basketball Patreon mailbag, please go to patreon.com slash a basketball with two H's. Subscribe over there. It's very much appreciated. It's only four bucks a month. five fifty Canadian. They've converted to Canadian on Patreon. That's nice, too. But uh, it's very, very much appreciated if you sign on up. We love you very much. And uh, those mailbags are going to be great. And the weekly episodes are awesome, too. Anyway. That's going to do it for today's show. Please uh, go check out the rest of the stuff we got cooking on the Locked On Network. The Maple Leafs play a back to back against Ottawa. Go listen to Locked On Leafs. Go listen to Locked On Senators. Go listen to Locked On Hornets ahead of the Raptors game against Charlotte tomorrow night as well with Walker and Nada over there. They do a wonderful job with that podcast. So go and listen, subscribe, support all the stuff. We'll talk to you again uh, probably on Monday. We'll see what the. I might take the day off for MLK Day as it's kind of a, a company holiday that day um but we'll see how things transpire against the hornets and we will definitely have an episode for you tuesday after the game against the mavericks either way have a wonderful weekend everybody and we'll talk to you again very soon with another episode of locked on raptors